Um, love being here, if, if I can say that again for the millionth time. Um, Audrey and I, we've been married uh, for 35 years. Yeah, June 1984. And so we... We love married life. Uh, people call us sometimes uh, marriage and relationship experts. And I don't like that phrase so much because X means former, spurt means short period of time. And so what, I like specialists, meaning I, I need to specialize in this because we're a covert operation. And uh, I just want you to know that your relationships are worth fighting for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. And when we do community together, I love the new name, Connect. I just love that. And in, the, in, the, um, uh, in, in God's word, it, it speaks about repentance. And in the imagery of repentance, it's not just having a change of thought and a change of direction, but it's all with the motivation to connect. You know, there's, there's been a break or, or a loss in relationship, and I'm turning around that I might connect. When the prodigal returned home, he had no idea of the truth of his identity because all that he had was a slave mentality in his heart. But his father reminded him who he was in the father's house. Let me remind you because we're going to connect. You belong. And that's what I love about this house so much is that they'll cover you, they'll fight for you, and this is where you belong. Because coming to church, coming to church, coming to a place like this on a Sunday morning, midweek, whatever it might be, don't allow it to be an event that you attend. But rather, Connect Church is a family where you belong. So after service, make sure that you sign up for your Connect 180s, not just what you can uh, receive, and you will, but it's what you can give. There are people that need to get to know you. You are that significant and that valuable, all right? And then the other thing is, again, there might be people, and they might think, oh, coming to a big service like this, this is just overwhelming. Well, bring them to a Connect group. Is that okay? I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm ready to pack my bags and move here just so I can be with y'all. All right. All of that was just fun because I just want to talk. <laughs> really, I just really enjoy you. And thank you for being so um, loving and welcoming uh, of us. And again, this is our home away from home. And we love you. All right. Well, I do have a message that I'd like to share with you today. Is that all right? Everyone okay? Good, good. In this world, we have, or we're facing what I would describe a lot of uncertainties. And a lot of people are looking for that security. You know, what's the sure thing? Where do I make my investment? What, you know, what, what's going to, in, in my future, that's, that's going to give me the return that I'm really looking for? And I believe that the commodity that you could invest in that others would desire and want more than anything else. If you were to invest in this commodity, it would benefit your life exponentially. And it will be the one commodity that everybody else would be puzzled about and desiring, how do I get that? And I believe it's the commodity of peace. In this world, they're looking for peace 
in all the wrong places. They're trying to find peace for their heart, some sense of security. And I believe that the commodity that you could invest in more than anything other in your life personally would be this, peace. Begin to prioritize peace in your life. Not just structuring your life, not just trying to get your priorities all in place, but would you prioritize peace even in advancement of your relationships? That you would be a person of peace in your relationships. What about in your finances? That you wouldn't make decisions out of fear or out of force, but always from a place of peace. So even in my finances, I want to I make, make decisions out of peace. What about myself personally, physically? I, I'm going to be a person of peace because then every single cell in my body begins to be healthy, happy, and well. It begins to work in, in harmony. So what I want to do this morning is talk about where I can begin to prioritize peace in my life. So there's five things that I want to talk about. The first one is having peace with God. Everyone say peace with God. The second one is peace with yourself. The third, peace with others, peace with your story, and then finally, peace in your season. In uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33, it says this. I have told you all these things so that you may have peace. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he begins to begin to talk about the betrayal, begins to talk about his death and his resurrection. And he says, but I'm telling you these things. I've been detailing these out over the last few years that you might have, say with me, peace. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world when you understand the finished work of Jesus when you understand how his death his burial his resurrection and even his ascension to the father has then made you not just an heir but a joint heir there is great benefit for your life you are no longer a person of lack or a person of need but now you begin to have an abundance more than enough. Hey, this world, there, there will be trial, there will be tribulation, but I can be of great joy because the external doesn't determine my, my motivation of life. You see, when, when we surrender to the Lord, it's not as though he's got a gun in your back saying give up because in that image, you lose. But rather, in the image of surrender, there's a yielding to the way of God, the plan of God, the journey of God, His ways in my life. And every time that I do, I never lose. I always win. So I want to begin to prioritize peace in my life. So my question is this, what would it look like for you personally? Oh, that's rain. Okay, thank you. I was just like, well, that's cool. I really didn't know what it was. Okay. Hey, y'all, it's raining outside. You all know that. I come from Phoenix, Arizona. Maybe rains five days a year. Yeah, like it's, it's so when it rains, you want to run outside and look at it. 
You really do. I have pictures on my phone of rain. It's really funny. The evening news comes on, and they'll, they, they honestly will show puddles of rain. Look, people, it rained. Uh, that's, <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> okay. So much for that. <laughs> but what I want you to do is begin to prioritize peace. What would it look like? Because faith is having the capacity to be able to see the end from the beginning. Faith is having a persuade heart of the promises of God that draw you in and, and bring you into his preferred future for your life. So my choice and my decision is I'm going to prioritize peace. Everyone say peace. Because of Jesus, I get to know the God of all peace. God's not angry with me. He's not upset with me. He's not disappointed with me. He is the God of peace. And he has, because he is, he's introduced and he gave me his very own son, who is Jesus, who is the prince of peace. Jesus, being my prince of peace, has then given me the message, which is the gospel of peace. You see, peace is high on God's priority. The kingdom of heaven is what? Not meat nor drink, nothing of the external, but rather righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I want to begin to prioritize peace in my heart and life. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Romans 5, then verse 11 goes on and says, And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living in harmony with God, all because of what Jesus has done. Now that's some good news right there. You see, God has been so misrepresented in our culture that he's a hateful, angry God. No, he's good and he's only good. He's not schizophrenic. He doesn't make you sick that he might heal you. No, that's not my God. He's good and only good. And he is not angry nor disappointed with you. He's the God of peace. He says that while you were yet distant and, and uh, removed from him, he pursued me in his love that he might make peace with me. You see, he sees me as flawless. That's challenging. I don't see myself that way, but that's the way my father sees me. You see, and I want his truth to become my reality. Therefore, I'm going to choose to prioritize peace in my heart and life. Because of Jesus, everyone say, because of Jesus, I have peace with God. Good. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, I am not a disappointment to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's good. Ready? Number two, peace with yourself. I love my wife so much. She teaches me so many, many, many things. 
she has she has a, a good friend back home, Christy, and they, they have a mutual bond that they share with each other, and it's simply this. They love themselves. It's hilarious. I mean, they honestly love themselves. They're happy with them. And I'm just like, that is so foreign to me because I have lived so many years of my life as being a disappointment. I have lived so many of years of my life trying to prove to God my devotion. God, I mean business. I'm going all the way. No turning back. I'm all in. You see, my whole thing was is there was this woundedness in my own heart. There was this fear. And fear always controls. Fear will always limit your life. And this is where when you're trying to find peace with yourself, it's almost as though that, that root, you know, core lie and fear that you believe begins to raise its ugly head and wants to tell you who you are. You see, surprisingly, we tend to be not our own best friend, but we tend to be our own worst enemy. And in this world of social media, where we're continually doing what? Comparing ourselves one to another. What kind of pictures do you, what kind of pictures do you post on social media? Oh, look at me. I lost 10 pounds. Since when... When was the last time you posted a picture and said, look at me, I just gained 10 pounds? You don't do that. You know, oh, look, look at our auditorium. Look at all these empty chairs. No, no, you show all the full chairs. You see, you're constantly comparing. You're constantly counting. You're constantly pinning yourself up against another. And there's a judge that you have that begins to speak to you what you're not rather than who you are. There is no peace in that because then I'm continually having to compare myself to you. And in comparing myself to you, the only way I can feel good about myself is when then I'm what? A little bit better. Or at least I'm not like that. At least I didn't do that. You see, there's no harmony or peace with yourself. Can you recognize your judge the voice of your judge can you recognize that voice because i'm telling you you need to fire that dude i'm telling you just fire him you know who our president is right yeah donald trump right okay you're fired <laughs> yeah, that's what he was known for in the apprentice i'm telling you fire the judge in your life Fire the judge in your life, and then what you want to do is choose to come into an agreement with God's view and opinion of your life. You see, when you confess, everyone say confess. You see, too often in the word confess, we associate that with uh, uh, condemnation. I'm bad, I'm worthless, I'm a loser, whatever it might be. You see, and then it's like, oh, I need to confess. I need to come to the altar and confess. No, 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 you don't. Because to confess is to say the same thing as God does. See, I want to begin to come into an agreement with what he says about me to be true. See, I want to come into an agreement with what he says about sin to be true. 
That's when I confess. To confess is to say the same thing as God does. And that's what makes worship so beautiful and so powerful because I'm singing over my own heart. I'm singing into the atmosphere because I'm choosing to agree and confess and say what God says about me, about my past, about my present, and about my future. Peace with yourself. Remember this. Jesus and only Jesus is allowed to say who you really are. That's when my life really began to transform. I had tried so many things, but when I pressed through, when I labored to enter into a place of rest, it was then that I heard my father's voice and he began to speak over my life of who I am. When you find peace with yourself, you're simply coming into an agreement with your father's voice. You're not a disappointment. You are loved and you belong. The next one, peace with God, peace with yourself and peace with others. Having peace with others <clears throat> sometimes can be an extreme challenge. <clears throat> when you've been hurt, when you've been betrayed, when you've been lied to, when you've been cheated on, whatever it might be. How do I have peace with others? But again, scripture re repeats itself again and again, above all else, be a peacemaker. Do all that you can to live at peace with one another. Therefore, I'm charged with this responsibility. And when I have a responsibility, that means I have an authority or I have an ability to properly respond. So rather than responding in resentment, anger, criticism, judgment, I'm going to choose because I know who I am in him and who he is in me. He's healing the woundedness of my heart. No longer then do I hold you captive to your past, but I can respond to you in peace. Because that's what God did to me. He's continually pursuing me in his love. So then in order for me to have peace with others, I must enlarge. Everyone say enlarge. Enlarge my capacity for love. Because usually when I'm not walking in harmony with others, I'm walking wounded. And I'm walking a victim because of what y'all did to me. It was just not fair. You know, someone looked at me wrong, somebody did something wrong, whatever it might be, and I am the way that I am because of you. Where's the personal responsibility in that? And here's what you've just done. You've transferred a whole lot of power to the other person. You've transferred a whole lot of power to that situation that then brings a limitation to your life. I want to share with you a personal story because having peace with others is really important to me. I love my home. I love my family, love my wife. And as I said, we've been married 35 years, but something happened that neither of us were even uh, remotely aware. But there was a day when we were in my office and she came and she just knelt you know, there on the floor and just hugged my feet and wept and cried. And she says, Bob, I need to tell you something. She says, I've had an affair. 
We're pastoring. We're a part of national Christian television in Canada. I mean, it's on the outside, everything looked so good. But I had no idea what was going on on the inside where we were suffering in quiet desperation. Now what do you do? You know, here I am a leader in our Christian community, and this is happening. What do I do? I had no idea of my role in contributing to this. All I saw is that she did this to me, that I was the innocent one, that I'm the victim here. But I also recognized that I had a limited capacity for love. I had no peace with others because I was afraid. What would happen if it were to happen again? Therefore, I need to control this. You can't be free. You can't be too happy because that's what got you in trouble in the first place. Can you hear the fear of my heart? There is no peace. It wasn't but, come on up, Audrey. There, it wasn't but a couple weeks later. A couple weeks later, we were getting some really good help. And it was about a couple weeks later that we found out that as a result of the affair that she had become pregnant. Now what do you do? In my opinion, that's a game changer. Everyone say, but God. I'm telling you, don't you allow situations and circumstances to dictate your life involve God. We had isolated pain. Her pain was so unique and different from mine and mine from hers. But we chose to press in and trust God. God, I need to know you. And I was beginning to be challenged, you know, as a husband and as a father to my family to cover my wife. What I wanted to do initially was to expose. I just want to tell everybody what she did to me because I'm innocent. Can you hear the arrogance and the pride in that? But Proverbs 25.2 says it's God's glory to conceal a matter and for a king to, to, to discover its understanding. So weeks later, um, Audrey, about four months, Audrey's you know, looking a little pregnant. My daughter's concerned. Mommy, you're putting on a little too much weight. And it's just like, I think we need to tell the kids what's going on. So one evening, they came up to our bedroom, and there we were seated on the floor crying. Our, children's were, our children were so nervous and so afraid. But before I spoke a word, I went over to the bed, and I took a large uh, blanket from the bed. And I took that blanket and I covered Audrey from head to foot. And with her covered and seated on the floor, I knelt beside her and I wrapped my arms around her. And I looked deep into my children's eyes and I said, kids, this is what God does when we make a mistake. He comes to us and he covers us. And he wraps his arms around us and whispers, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. With Audrey covered in my arms, I began to speak security, hope, and future into my children's heart and life. I, I didn't know if I really had that capacity, but I'm pressing in to the God of all peace. And with her covered, I began to speak future and hope. Well, I want to show you a family picture. And our family picture is just here on the screen. 
And uh, in the middle of the picture is my daughter, Janelle, and her new husband, Daniel. They got married a year ago, May. And we are just so very, very thrilled. Thank you, baby. You okay? Okay. And uh, uh, a year ago, May. Then on the far left is my son, David, and his wife, Tessa. On the far right is my oldest son, Christopher, who's 32. And then there is my son. Everyone say, my son. You see, I don't want you to ever question how your children come to you. They're your children, and they belong. He's my son. And I gave him my name, Robert, because I don't want him to ever question a day in his life whose boy he is. He's my son, and he belongs. Now, I show you this picture, not just because they're good looking. I show this picture to you because 20 years ago, I couldn't see that. But I had godly men and women in my life that could and helped me to connect to the God of peace. I share this with you because I don't know what your future holds or what it looks like. But I don't want you to allow your present circumstances to lie to you and limit you and railroad what God might have. You see, this is what I love about Connect Church. They'll gather you in and they want to cover you. They want to fight for you, defend you. They want to speak truth to your heart and your life. But you've got to make that choice to step in and make that journey because there's a transformation just on the other side where you get to experience extreme freedom, extreme joy, and extreme peace. Don't limit God in your life. Peace with your story. Peace with your past. Far too often we allow our past to limit, to dictate, or to determine our future. But your story is your story. And I've heard so many people say, well, it's just the way it is. It just always happens that way. It just happens to be the story of my life. Well, I don't want your past to limit your life any longer. Let me say this. There, what supersedes the facts of your life? You see, I shared with you a very personal story of what happened in our marriage. But you see, that's factual. That's what took place. But what I, what's attached to that is the meaning or the significance and value. And I'm the only one that can t attach that meaning to it. So every time that you would say to me, Bob, I love you, I'd say, no, you don't. How could you? Bob, I, I, I care about you. I want to be with you. No, you don't. Because I've got evidence otherwise. You see, but those are the facts of life. There are things that have been said to you, things that have been done to you, things that you have participated with that never should have happened. And what you have done repetitively over time is that they have become the story of your life. But I'm telling you right now, the enemy, the enemy, he knows your name, but he chooses to call you and remind you of your past. I want you to know something. Your father knows your past, but he chooses to call you by 
your name. He knows who you are. He knows who you are. So because of Jesus, I can have, say with me, peace with my story. My past does not have to determine and dictate my future. I am free and God has promised me gladness in proportion to my former misery. That's truth. You, you may have, have had some very difficult, challenging years, but he promises you in proportion to your former misery, he says, I'm going to bring gladness and joy. You wonder why my wife is so happy, so free? Because she's been loved. That's where it begins. And then finally, peace with your season. This is the present. This is what's going on. And I'm reminded of in Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus is ministering to a multitude of people, 5,000 men, women, children. I mean, it, it's a, it's a um, coliseum really full of people, but they're on a mountainside, 10,000 and more. And all day long, Jesus has been moving with compassion. Everyone say compassion. When you move with compassion, you see a need and refuse to leave that need in the same condition that you met it. Jesus saw their need and he was healing the people and moving in compassion, preaching and teaching. But what had happened just prior to this moment in this season of Jesus's life is that he had just lost John the Baptist. John was beheaded and Jesus retreated to this quiet place, but the crowd followed him. They'd been there all day long and the disciples came and said, Jesus, let's send them away to the village so they can get something to eat. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. So the disciples then bring to Jesus five loaves and two fish. And it says this, then he took, uh, told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed to the people and they were fed and satisfied. In there is this phrase, looking towards heaven. And that phrase there translated is is more literal saying this Jesus took the bread looked towards heaven and it, it's regained his sight I mean in his season in this moment he had lost vision but taking what he had he offered it and he regained sight reminding where he had come from where he is going he blessed and it was multiplied I don't want you to allow, I don't want you to allow your present circumstances to rob you of the future that is yet awaiting for you. I know it hurts. I know what disappointment feels like. I understand, but I don't want you to quit and I don't want you to give up. Therefore, this day you have a choice and it's simply this, Jesus. I want to see. All I can see is limitations, but I want to see. I want to know what it is 
to truly have peace with you. I want to know what it is not to feel as though I'm a disappointment. I don't want to awaken to the voice of the judge another day. Lord, I want to know who I really am in you. I want to have peace with myself, peace with others, peace with my story, and peace with this season that I am in. Today, in closing, I just simply want to make this invitation. You may have been here many times before. I don't know. It might be your first time with us. I'm so glad you're here. Come again. You know, don't, don't, don't judge it on me. <laughs> Come again. It's a family where you can belong. But the most valuable commodity you'll ever acquire is peace in your heart. So today, if you'd like to experience and begin that journey of what it is to follow Jesus and to experience that kind of extravagant love, I'm just asking, if you're here today and you just want to lift a hand and say, Bob, that's me. I want to begin to know that extravagant love. Is there anyone here today? Anyone? Yay? Nay? That's okay. If you didn't raise your hand, that's fine. I'm cool. But what I'd like to do is for all of us, let's just take a moment and let's just bow our heads. And we do this because I just want to connect. Jesus, I want to connect with the extravagance of your love for me. And would you all say with me together, say, Jesus, thank you for the gospel of peace. Thank you for revealing to me the Father who is good and only good, and he loves me. So Jesus, I surrender. I want your benefits for my life. I'm exhausted doing it my way. Therefore, I surrender to you. And I'm inviting you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. That means I want you to direct me, to guide me. I want to begin to learn what your voice sounds like. I want that peace. Jesus, you are my Prince of Peace. I choose you today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Listen to me. I want to say one last thing. Too often we view peace as the absence of conflict, war, hardship, or difficulty. But peace is not the absence of something, but rather peace is the presence of someone. Jesus, your Prince of Peace.